0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of the no rain no rainbows podcast thank you so much for being here with us today and as always a big shout out to my executive producer andre Suttles, subtle solution media for helping to make this podcast possible i have to tell you we had a warm-up before recording this and it was amazing i can't wait for you to hear the knowledge that kisha edwards Ganzi will be sharing with us today she's a writer entrepreneur, CEO of World Explorers, and here with us today on the podcast. Kisha, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Ted. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, I know I hyped it up for our listeners. And uh, (laughs) as we get things started, I always make sure that our listeners and our our guests, they have the opportunity to get to know each other. I love making sure that our guests can kind of say their own story a little bit, because I could say, hey, young girl from Pelzer, New York City takes over the city, starting business, comes back to South Carolina, but that wouldn't be doing the story justice. So please let them know about your journey and what brings you here today.
1: Well, that's true, Ted. I am a South Carolinian. I was born in Pelzer, South Carolina in the rural countryside. After a band trip in 11th grade to New York City, I decided that I had to live there. The city of lights and the never sleeping and the taxis, all that action was up my alley, I thought. So I applied to NYU. I fortunately got in and a scholarship because we didn't have any money for college. So a scholarship and my dad's Ford 350 pickup truck brought me to New York City where he dropped me off in the East Village. And I stayed there and I loved NYU. I was at Tisch School of the Arts for Dramatic Writing. I'm a writer and storyteller. And right after college, A girlfriend and I that I met Tish as well. We decided that we had to do something to like make our mark in the city. We were both teaching artists, and so working with children came natural to us. And that's we started our company then. And 20 years later, the pandemic brought me back to the Upstate. We actually came down because you know the city was shutting down, and South Carolina was a you know was a lot better place to be at that time. And also my dad is in his, up in his 80s and everything. It was just, a, it was like good timing. So this pause, the pandemic pause brought us back to the upstate where now things are starting over again and we're yeah. starting our company here.
0: Yeah, and that's an amazing journey because I imagine that there must've been a culture shock for you going from South Carolina to New York. I know you, you've had a little bit of an introduction for it. And the irony of this podcast is we were kind of like passing ships because I'm a New York born and raised right. boy who's now in South Carolina. And you kind of went the right. opposite direction. What was that adaptation like being a student at NYU? You mentioned being a young Southern girl. Was it Lower East Side you mentioned or East Side? of East Village, yeah. East Village. Right in the East Village. Uh-huh. What was Third that Avenue and like?
1: Street. You know, I will be honest with you. I wild out for like the first year. The culture shock was that I had so much access to things I had never seen before. So there was a lot of partying and adjusting to city life. I had to learn how to walk to places. Mm-hmm. I had never done that before. So I re- I remember like counting, like, okay, I'll go four blocks and then I turn left and then I'll walk another two blocks. Like the idea of getting places on my feet was extremely foreign. Mm-hmm. It was shocking, but I'm a very curious person. Yeah. So it was, you know, I was able to like finally have my curiosity satiated in a way that was I feel like
0: healthy. Yeah. And I always love talking to people who have been able to move away from home. And anybody listening or watching on YouTube, I encourage you to take that trip and move away from home. And I I don't mean move down the block or around the corner, other side of town. I'm talking miles away from home, miles, at least four hours. But I'm interested to know your reflection and I guess your thoughts on what you learned in that experience of going so far away from home, starting a life anew. What did that teach young Kisha? And what are some of the the lessons from that that you take on with you today?
1: You know, living in New York City will give you a crash course on humanity in a way that when I look back, I'm so grateful for. Inclusivity and diversity mean something different to me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, having had that experience, my friends are from all walks, all creeds, all faiths all orientations, everything. And it's beautiful. And that has totally changed the course of my life as a community builder. How I'm able to include everyone in our community is different because the lens is different. So when I look back, I think that that is probably the most valuable thing that I experienced is that I just really became an observer and experiencer of humanity. Mm
0: -hmm. So going through college and you mentioned that's where you met your now business partner? Yep. Okay. First day of freshman orientation. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so were you guys kind of like linked instantly? Was that like, oh, this is it. Watch out world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We, I had actually came, I came to the orientation and I was so nervous because this was the first time that I was with the other groups of kids who had gotten into TISH and we were doing like a group orientation. And I walked in and I just sat down beside someone who I thought looked nice. And she was not nice. And she was like, kind of like looking, (laughs) she was like looking over my head. She's now in soap operas and every All of our friends like had like different slants and she became like someone who was in a lot of soap operas. Anyway, so I got up and I was like, I was like, you know, aghast because I was like very, you know, I had Southern hospitality still for sure. You didn't treat people like that. (laughs) So I went, I went into the aisle and I looked from the back, from the front up towards all the faces in the audience. And I said, I'm going to find a smiling face. Mm -hmm. And I scanned the audience and I found my business partner, Kiana. She was smiling, had a very bright, beautiful face. And I walked right up to her and I said, hi, my name is Kisha. And that was, that was the day, but that's about being intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, you can find your connection. You have to be intentional about that.
0: (laughs) So I was going to say, I want to jump in that. I want to dig deeper into that because the moment of sitting there looking for a smiling face, I'm hearing the transaction of energy, you Mm -hmm. know, where you're not wanted, you know, where you're accepted. That's right. And it sounds like you had that intuition in Mm -hmm. terms of, of looking for that. Where does that come from? And what would you tell our listeners who want to kind of tap into some of that themselves maybe, and maybe get a better read on how they can find out where they're accepted, where they're not accepted, and maybe be the one that's accepting to others.
1: Oh, wow. You know, something about energy I do feel like intuition is sometimes easier for some than others. But listening to what I call it is my God voice. And that's like that feeling in my gut. I think of, this is something new that I learned. There is actually, we have our main brain that's like our computer system. And then the heart actually has a small collection of cells that is actually shaped like a brain that lives on top of the heart. It has the same capabilities of the brain, but it's heart focused. And it controls like the emotional center, you know. And I think that it's about tapping into there. You know, I wish that there was like a manual for how it is. A lot of times because of self-esteem, because of self-confidence, because of lack of of experience, we refuse to listen to ourselves. Mm. But when we sit still and we be quiet, you know, we can honor that. We have to not listen to what anyone else has ever told us we have to disregard trends, we have to disregard you know, like whatever is the popular opinion. Often it's just like getting still and listening to that little piece of something that says this, you know, it doesn't usually make sense. It's not logical because it's not the brain. Yeah. See, the brain is like the logical powerhouse. This is something different, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a journey, it's a journey. You can fine tune it. And I think we also have to forgive ourselves for not getting it right sometimes. Mm-hmm but it's there for us. It's a compass.
0: Oh yeah. I think it's, you know, that gut feeling. And a lot of times I know our listeners probably know that thing is like, I knew I should have done this. Oh man, I I should have done that. Or I didn't listen to myself here. And we do get hard on ourselves. and, And there are times where sometimes a gut feeling, we listen to it and it pans out when it comes to writing and it comes to your passion of storytelling. Was that something that was a gut feeling at a young age? Did you develop that through school or I'm interested to know what was the inception of that and how it came into fruition?
1: I lived in my imagination from a very, very young age. So I was an adopted foster child Mm. and our house was like a revolving door for other foster children. I was generally adopted, but many of my brothers and sisters were very transient and they were in and out of the house often. And I actually now this I've identified this as I've gotten older and wiser is I realized that my first stab at like imagining, imagining stories were me conjuring up what happened to them next. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to know where all these people went. Where did they go? What were they like now? What if what about this? When I found out that I was adopted. You know, when I found out that I had a birth mother and that these were not my biological parents, there was also that. Who is she? What is she? You know, I was constantly having these what ifs and I would write them down and I would do them for other people. And then this was like, it came to be like I was practicing that gift of the imagination through like intense storytelling as a coping mechanism, but then it became fun. Yeah. And I just enjoyed it.
0: So that's amazing because what your experience is is something that a lot of folks might have a relation to and they might not have the same connection or the same outcome. What I mean by that is how you mentioned the coping mechanism of that imagination, but now leading into something fun, leading into a passion. And it's almost taking maybe what some would see as a less ideal situation, which has now flourished into the beautiful flower of the life you've built today and I say that intentionally to bridge the gap of that story with that upbringing, and then young girl out of Pelzer, South Carolina in New York City, and then not only just coping in a new city, but then starting a business with her friend, now business partner, and you mentioned earlier in our warm up, twenty years later, continuing to yeah. flourish. That's a very Successful run for a business. What was it like starting out? What were the initial challenges? Was there a time where you you looked at your business partner and you were like, what are we doing? How can we do this? Yep.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. You know,
0: I'd love to hear. We
1: flew flew on adrenaline and faith quite a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. And we started with like with no money, a chalkboard sign, like it was like we did every job. Uh And that was tough. Like in the beginning of like just being there around the clock, (laughs) there were times when it just didn't make sense. You know, like in the grand scheme of things, running a business on a physical level is extremely difficult at times. Licensing, working things out with accountants, working things out with attorneys, all of these like less fun things that come into play. They take the fun out of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So there have been times when I was definitely like, I just want to write. Like, but I just want to tell so you know, like what I'm telling you. I just want to tell stories. <laughs> like, What is this? All this other stuff, you know? And definitely, there have been times that we were two young Black women. There were times when I know in the business world, sometimes we weren't taken as seriously as we needed to be in order to, to gain some resources that we needed or some advice that we needed. And that was what it was because, you know, we, faith endures, right? But there was that too, but there was never enough of, a challenge that seemed totally unmountable. Thank goodness for early ignorance. I'll tell you that much. You know, like we will beat ourselves up for what we don't know. If we had known so many things, we may not have taken some risks. We may not had some of those leaps of faith. Like it was very, I, one thing that I'm grateful for is that we had that graduated knowledge base built over time. Now we make decisions completely differently. At first we were just trying it. You know, we were just trying it. So, yeah, there are times when it was difficult. You know, people have this idea also as business owners that you're just raking in the cash and getting paid constantly. There were a couple of years where everyone got paid but us. All of our staff got paid. You know what I mean? We were willing to make that sacrifice to keep our company going. And that's nothing that we would ask anyone else to do. But, you know, that's part of it. That's part of real business building.
0: What would you does that answer your
1: question? I tried to summarize it. Yeah, there's so no. many years in there. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> We're gonna jump in deeper. This question actually is intended to jump in a little deeper because what would you tell a young aspiring entrepreneur or even maybe an older aspiring entrepreneur or someone who's working a nine to five, they're working their main job, and they have this gig that they're working on, the side gig, and they're trying to jump into entrepreneurship. What would you tell them in terms of a lesson you've learned from the early years that might hopefully help them a little bit and maybe save them just a little bit of pain and suffering along the way? Because we know no matter what, as an entrepreneur, you're going to go through the hard times. But what would you tell someone about to embark on that journey to maybe help them along the way?
1: Okay. So listen, I would say like build your vision, not your business. Mm. Build your vision, not your business and nurture your vision. Like it's a baby, you know, there's a trend. I actually, I think about this a lot because I see Instagram and I see what the trend is as far as like how business is going. And there's the, the be your own boss trend and own your own business trend, but I don't feel that's for everyone. Mm. And I feel that that's okay. That that's not for everyone. Someone can honor their assignment in life very differently. And I think that we should not, you know, hold people as entrepreneurship as the highest standard or being your own boss is the highest standard of professional success. I don't believe that. I believe that on a personal level, truly honoring your own personal vision and aligning your vision with what you have been created to be. We all know. We all know what it is. like. At the end of the day, we all know what our thing is. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we should try to do every day. And that's the thing we should nurture. And that's the thing that we should build upon. If it's not a business, don't make it one. Mm. You know, (laughs) and I really, I really do feel that way. And if it is a business, congratulations. You have, you're fortunate that you can make your vision into something else. that Other people can participate, in. but everything doesn't have to be built with transactions in that way.
0: Yeah. And there's so much value in what you just said. And that's kind of, I don't know, I'm sure the listeners heard me go, "Mm," because if it's not a business, don't make it one. And I'm sure we've heard the stories of someone who's had the passion and they love to do this. They love to cook. Let's say they love to cook and they come home and they cook and then they decide, let's do this as a job. And then when it becomes a job, that passion gets lost and gets drowned in everything you mentioned before, the accounting, the payroll, the legality of it all, when all they wanted to do was cook. And having their own business. That's right. Yeah. You could have
1: been, they could have been a chef. Mm -hmm. They could have been an amazing chef at, you know, at a place that welcomed them. You know, it's okay to be integral to someone else's vision of leadership. That's okay too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that I don't know if we want it to be true, but it is, you know, someone has a dream of, of having a school. You could have a dream of being a teacher and being an excellent educator. That's okay. Everyone is integral to like these visions. And this is the thing about that. A lot of times people want to think that they own their visions. I don't think I know the universe holds my vision, dear. And God is not going to let my vision die with me. If someone else, if God wants that thing to get done, right? If Kisha is not going to stand up and do X, Y, and Z and do, you know, this, that, and the third, He's gonna tap on someone else's shoulder with that they he also created as well. The things are the things that are gonna get done. That's why I say you take that thing and you honor it because that thing has lots of power, even outside of us.
0: Yeah. Kind of on on your point again, I keep mentioning the warm-up when you said I mentioned how do you turn your passion into income? And you said, you know, well, the money should be irrelevant. (laughs) And you, you mentioned growing that thing and that passion. Let's talk about. The mastery because, you know, I used to, if you were to talk to me two years ago, I'd say, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. Now, through the process of this podcast, I write my show notes every week. I've been writing blogs and on Instagram, I like to get in depth with my posts and really kind of write something from the heart. So I've started to realize over the course of the past two years, I've developed not a passion for, not a, I don't want to say a hate or a, a liking, but I've developed a competence towards writing mm-hmm. and articulating what's in my head or what's in my heart and putting it out in words. If somebody has a passion for writing or cooking or whatever it might be, there's usually a gap between what their taste is and what they're capable of doing. And yeah. a lot of people quit in that gap because they just can't produce the quality of work that they feel they're worth or they want to do. How did you get through that in your process, and and what would you tell mm-hmm. someone? To help them kind of push forward through that gap.
1: Oh my gosh. There's two words that come to mind immediately, and they are consistency and obedience. Mm. Consistency and obedience. Now, I'm in a journaling group, and the leader of the journaling group says something that's really amazing. And I'm going to say it here. And it's that God is the creator of time, but God is not bound by time. And what that means is we have to follow the process a lot of times, especially in our instant gratification culture. We feel that if things don't come naturally and immediately, then they're not worth working for But consistency and obedience tell us that if we show up for our thing, if we show up day in and day out, and we keep coming, coming back, coming back to it, it will evolve. That is, it's, it's like a universal law. And a lot of times people give up too soon. You know, it, they don't want to do that extra work that it takes to get it done. Two years ago, I would not have been, like, even, I constantly evolve because of these things. By four o'clock every morning, I'm already waking up for a five o'clock journaling hour that I do with a group of like-minded people. Mm -hmm. For a six o'clock time where I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I'm regimented, you know, and I had to learn to do that because I care about the fact that I'm accountable to this vision and everything that I have to get done. Mm -hmm. So consistency, and obedience. I, I will add to that forgiveness, because if there are times when I, I do something at night, I go out, I, you know, I stay out too late or whatever it is, and then I have to forgive, forgive myself if I miss the next morning's routine, but I get back on that wagon as soon as possible because it's important. That's, that's in the gap, consistency and obedience.
0: Yeah. And that, that's amazing what you said about the added part of the forgiveness because yeah. my fiance and I recently, did seventy five did, we did the 75 hard challenge and it was 75 days straight. We worked out twice a day, we drank a gallon of water. We read 10 pages of a nonfiction book and we took a, pro, a progress picture. Also sticking to a diet, no cheat meals, no alcohol for 75 days straight. My fiance and I looked at each other and said, we're going to do this. We accomplished it. And by the end of the 75 days, The working out was a habit. The drinking the water was a habit. It was all a habit, but it was right around Thanksgiving and the holidays. And what do you think happened? We stopped it. (laughs) As it took us 75 days to build that habit, it only took us about four or five days to break it. And obviously we've we've picked up the reading again and the working out and and things like that, not twice a day, Mm -mm. (laughs) but we've been able to pick up some of those beneficial habits, but it takes a long time to build a habit It doesn't take long to break it. And if we kind of sit, sulk, and we get down on ourselves and we allow two, three, four, five days, maybe a week to go by, that's going to end up putting us down the wrong path in terms of getting back on that horse as soon as possible and continuing on that journey. Speaking of the journey, I want to make sure we talk about world explorers. I want to make sure that we talk about what you're doing with the summer camps in the schools and not just in Brooklyn, but in in Greenville. And I'd love to hear more about the work that you're doing for children and how that all kind of came into fruition and what it looks like now.
1: Yeah, I want to get into that, but I want to speak to what you said about the 75 days and the habits. It's so interesting to me because I think that habits, it's true. We can fall off and it's hard to stay on task. Sometimes having the spiritual perspective of what's at stake, On the line changes that whole landscape. Like for instance, if you for if you thought that if you didn't do it, then something there was a great risk. Like Ted, you can no longer do your radio show if you don't keep this up. And I'm the universe talking. Mm -hmm. You can no longer do your podcast if you don't keep up with your eating regimen and your exercise regimen. Mm -hmm. It will change the landscape, and I think that sometimes we have to. Our vision and our ideas for our lives have a certain uh, physical embodiment. Like our one, a physical body can hold that work differently. Like for me, I'm a writer. My mental acuity is really important. You know, it's really important that I'm able to think clearly. So my diet needs to reflect that. I need to make sure that my blood has is full of oxygen and my brain does too, because it's, it's all integral. So when I say I have to eat healthy so that I can continue to write until I'm 100 years old, there's a lot at stake. So when I'm making that choice to fall off a bandwagon, it changes the landscape. So I wanted to mention that because that's something that too, that I've, you know, it's come to me recently that we're all nursing our visions. And so if we think of anything that we're trying to establish as like real work to nurse our visions, then it, it just gets a different weight.
0: Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> you, yeah. I had to write that down because I mean, it, it actually is the reality of yeah. what our vision is. It's everything we do. And I love your intentionality of seeing that connection because a lot of folks might think, you know, for example, my profession is, in, is a news anchor, right? That's my nine to five, if you would. If I am not hydrated, if I am not, I don't want to say caffeinated because not everyone drinks caffeine in the morning, right. but if I'm not awake and present, I'm not doing my job effectively of waking up the viewers in the morning at 5.30. And the things I do outside of work, getting to bed on time, like if I stay up all night, what's at stake is my potential career. (laughs) So bridging that gap is, it's so important. And I'm glad that you added that. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. And then on to Explorers. And that's also why I can teach you the work that is necessary with Explorers. I love what our company is doing our preschool, our camp, our after school programs. We all see what's happening in the world, right? We see what the needs are for our planet. We need compassion. We need empathy. And every day we work with our programs to instill those values in the children we serve. And that's what's important to us right now. We have to do our part to build global citizens who really respectfully care about the planet that they live in. And I say this often to our parents and to, to anyone who, who's listening to me, <laughs> that if you want to see what a group of, you know, what a, a conglomerate of like citizens or constituents or what have you, if you want to see what they're going to be like in the next generation, all you have to do is go visit all the preschools right now. So see how we're serving the children who are between the ages of zero and five, all over the planet, if we were to do that, and then know exactly what, you know, what we have to look for in our future, because it's there for us. You know, we're seeing the seeds right there. So it's important that we do that work at Explorers. We're we're actually also post-pandemic, kind of, you know, we're still operating under the confines of COVID-19, but... so excited to give our kids summer camp this summer, like a summer camp that we love. I thought about, (laughs) I've been joking with the team that I'm going to send out an email to all of our parents who are enrolling for the summer. That's like, We're not saying no to anything this summer. If they ask us for Icy's, if they ask us for cake, if they ask us for anything, you know, after this, like, after this, like, year and a half of like virtual learning and back and forth and hybrid schedules, we totally feel like yes, people. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely looking forward to having the, the funnest summer ever with these kids. They need it. It's, you know, the joy of childhood can't be repeated. It can be maintained, but it can't be repeated. Oh, yeah. You can find out everything about our company at explorekids.us and yeah. that's where everything lives there. But yeah, we're just happy about what we're doing. Yeah,
0: you know, certainly. And I'm, I'll be sure to have that link in the show notes as well as, as the other links that we yeah. get here at the end of the episode. Really quick, just before we wrap up, A, I love what you're doing for our future generations. I've said so many times, if you want to make the world a better place, it it starts with our kids. And we've seen the research now and as we're looking at mental health, I think the pandemic has shined a light and put the spotlight on mental health. And what a lot of us are finding is some of our traumas and some of our issues in today. And I don't say issues is a bad thing. We all have our things we need to work through. But a lot of that gets planted at a young age. A lot of that gets planted in our childhood. And it's amazing when you say, you know, childhood happiness can't be repeated. It can only be sustained. You imagine how many kids have to grow up too quickly or how many kids are in a situation that they don't know will stick with them for years on end. So, A, I thank you for everything you're doing for our future generation, B, I'd love to kind of know how you and your business partner came into that focus of childcare. And I know it was maybe through schooling and the inception. You said it came naturally to you. What did that, I guess, first thought of let's work with kids look like? And what was and what is the impact you hope to have on the students that you work with?
1: Yeah, you know, my business partner and I are both artists and artists like to play more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, you know, the core connection between us and children is our desire to spend all of our days playing. Um, we used to say, I'll work, I'll play all day. And it's very, you know, it's very important. And also really just being passionate about being a true resource for the world that we live in. Like what you're saying, as I said earlier, working with children is necessary and essential to our progress as a people. It just is a hundred percent. What we all should be doing is figuring out how to invest in our next generations. Like that's the best form. That's the best return of investment that we can have in any system Yeah, is ensuring that everyone is propped up. Each one, lift one, each one pull one up behind them. So I, you know, I think that at core it's about playing and being a natural resource Mm -hmm. for children and families.
0: And what kind of uh, impact do you have to, do you hope to have with the kids that you work with?
1: Oh, gosh. You know. Every child looks back on their life experiences and they have like the good ones and then they have the ones that they don't remember, usually. And those are the ones that are not so great. And that's, you know, like research shows over and over again, like most of our worst memories are repressed. And I want to be remembered by the children that we serve. I want them to know that, you know, when they when they search their fountain for the little nuggets of the, you know, of their camp, their preschool life. I want them to remember them and be adults who remember their childhood because they had so many positive impacts through our programs and through what we were able to share with them and their families over the years.
0: That's amazing. Kisha, where can our viewers, our listeners Find out the work that you're doing. Find out how to help, or or maybe even find out how to use your services. I know we do have a lot of listeners yeah. in New York and South Carolina as well. And now that you're you're in both states, definitely you that's can right. As well,
1: <laughs> yeah. So most families find us online at ExplorerKids.us mm-hmm. or ExplorerKids.us on Instagram. I lead talk sometimes on occasion. Uh, We have a series called tough talk Tuesdays where we walk families through tough conversations with their family. Our last one that we did did was a tough talk Tuesday on how to talk to your children about racism and privilege. We did a tough talk Tuesday about how to talk to your children about sex, highly informative and important for parents to dive into. Mm -hmm. And that's all on our website. So you can find us really easily. And, uh, Yeah, that's it. We're not, we're very public, so you can find us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I'll have those links in the show notes. And that's amazing. Tough Talk Tuesdays, because of the world we live in with social media, the TVs, and and all that, I know some parents probably find themselves having questions from the kids that they don't know how to answer yet. So that's such a great resource for parents, future parents like Mm -hmm. myself. to, When I say future, not soon future, I, I have at least a <laughs> years. Hold on, everybody, okay. relax. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> such a great resource. Take your
1: time, take your yeah, time.
0: Yeah, yeah, rush. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I need my sleep. <laughs> such a great resource to have though, that I, being a planner myself, living with intention, will probably wanna kind of tap into that resource sometime soon just to prepare myself. And then even still with it being online, I imagine we'll still be having access to that when okay. I have the little teddy tots as as people like to call them, <laughs> the future teddy tots come <laughs> into play. Kisha. I appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your knowledge and your passion and for everything you do for the future generation.
1: You're welcome, Ted. Thank you for inviting me. I had fun. Mm I
0: had fun. This is great. I did too. I had a great time and I know our listeners (laughs) enjoyed it as well. I always love to recap some of the the tidbits that I wrote down in my notes along the way just to help give a, a nice bow on our episodes towards the end. So for the viewers first, the money piece is irrelevant. I actually wrote that down in the warm up. As Kisha and I were talking about turning a passion into a business, a lot of times the money piece can actually make more of a debacle of what it is you want to do. That's why later on in the podcast, Kisha also says, build your vision, not your business. The idea of playing piano full-time or being a cook full-time might be wonderful. However, when you throw in all the nuances of running a business with it, that can take the joy and steal that passion away. So just want to be aware of that. And we all look at the entrepreneurs thinking that's what we want and we want to be on top. That's Instagram talking to us. That's social media talking to us. What is it, our purpose? What is it that our vision is pulling us towards the universe? God wants us to do. Tap into that we refuse to listen to ourselves i love it when kisha she called us all out she says we know we know what it is we want to do sometimes fear holds us back from that maybe self doubt Maybe some self-exploration can help us kind of lean into that uncertainty a little bit and find out what it is we truly believe our purpose and our vision is to be and work on that. And when we work on it, understand we're not going to be a Mozart right off the bat. Consistency and obedience, working on ourselves and showing up each and every single day, having a regimen. Kisha mentioned her routine. I have a routine myself that I stick to. And when I fall off that third part, Kisha add grace, being able to forgive ourselves and then get back on that horse as soon as possible. And then the spiritual landscape of what's at stake, that was a rewiring for me in this episode of seeing our habits as more than just something we want to do. There's a lot at stake. Your vision is at stake. Your future is at stake. And our kids, our future generation is at stake because they are watching us. They know how we behave and then how We serve our children is how we serve the world. I appreciate you guys rocking with us this whole time. Kish, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us again. And as we always say, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, we really would love the support. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button to get a new episode every week. We'd appreciate you leaving a rating, letting us know how we do. That way we can improve for you guys and we can keep making this show better. You can even send us some guests that you'd love to hear from. I'd be happy to reach out to them and have them on the show. If you got value from this, please share it with a friend that you think would enjoy it. And if you love the podcast so much and you want to support monetarily, you can on our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. We appreciate you guys taking the time today. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.